G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week's sermon focuses on Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, and it's part of a brand new sermon series called Upside Down Kingdom, focusing on Jesus' teachings um, and Jesus' miracles, which talk about the kingdom of God in chapters 14 to 20 of Matthew's Gospel. The reading we're focusing on today is Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 through to verse 21, which says this, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two, two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And may the words of my lips and the thoughts of our hearts be ever pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, today, as I said before, we're kicking off a brand new preaching series called Upside Down Kingdom. When we planned this series at the beginning of the year, we looked at Matthew's Gospel and how chapters 14 to 20 of Matthew see Jesus turning all our kingdom expectations upside down. Everything we know of kings and kingdoms is turned on its head as Jesus performs miracles and says things that show us that he's a better type of king of a better type of kingdom. In Jesus' upside-down kingdom, you don't gain honor by inheriting it or climbing some sort of power ladder. Instead, those who humble themselves in service are honored. While today's leaders work through cycles of betrayal and revenge, in the upside-down kingdom, there are cycles of forgiveness and mercy. Finally, Jesus points us to an upside-down kingdom, where true wealth isn't found in riches. It's found in giving riches away. And what Matthew does in his account of Jesus' life is keep ramping up the ante and comparing God's upside-down kingdom to the kingdoms we know. My first point is that Jesus withdraws in verse 13. This section of Matthew begins with a tragedy. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, has been arrested by King Herod, who cuts off his head at a party. This is what Jesus is responding to in verse 13. When he heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat to a solitary place. Jesus is crushed. 
The man who baptized him, who championed his ministry from the beginning, has been murdered by a proud and greedy king. So he withdraws to be alone and pray. The solitude doesn't last though, and news of Jesus travels around and he's soon joined by hangers-on. If you're a parent or a pet owner, you know this feeling well. You want to be alone and suddenly you're surrounded by pets or children demanding your attention. All you want is some alone time, but no. In verse 13 we read, Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Notice how Jesus doesn't get frustrated, tell the people to get lost or even to come back later. He sees the people, sees their hunger for healing and their trust in him and he has compassion on them. Here we begin to see what type of king Jesus is and what the upside down kingdom is like. A normal leader might tell the people to come back in business hours or might get their henchmen to move people on. Not Jesus. Jesus has compassion on the crowds and he heals their sick. Here again we see the kingdom of God on show. As people come into contact with Jesus, they experience the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there is complete wholeness and restoration. As the people brush up against the upside-down kingdom, they become well too. In C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, The Witch, and The Wardrobe, a wicked witch takes over Narnia and makes it always winter and never Christmas. But as Aslan, the god figure, comes into Narnia, the snow melts, animals and trees are healed, and Father Christmas visits. The kingdom of God breaks into Narnia, and its wonder and healing gradually melts and heals what is broken. This is what's happening here as people meet with Jesus. Sick and hungry subjects of Rome who live under the boot of King Caesar come to Jesus, the true Aslan, and get a taste of the kingdom of God. Jesus is tired and stressed, but he doesn't push people away. He has compassion on them and invites them into the kingdom of God. As the people experience the kingdom, the disciples realize Jesus has a logistic problem. Thousands of people have gathered for healing and to listen to Jesus, but night is falling and the disciples tell Jesus to dismiss the crowds. Notice here this assumption about Jesus and the type of kingdom he represents. The disciples know that normal kingdoms, organizations, and movements are plagued by limited resources. They barely have enough food to feed themselves, and they're running out of time before they have a logistical nightmare on their hands. So they instruct Jesus in verse 15 to send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two small fish, they answered. It's a simple maths problem. Five loaves, which would have been the size of dinner rolls and two small fish, won't feed 5,000 plus hungry men, women and children. But Jesus is proclaiming an upside down kingdom. The Roman Empire prided itself as a provider of food for its citizens. People who lived in Rome and who fought in its armies were given free bread by the state. Slaves and peasants had to break their backs to produce enough grain to feed the Roman war machine. The Romans put pictures of bread on their coins because bread was so important. 
a Roman social commentator by the name of Juvenal, complained that the Roman Empire kept its subjects quiet by providing bread for their bellies and circuses for entertainment, so no one would resist the empire. And so when Jesus tells his mates, you give them something to eat, they may have been thinking that he was asking them to fork out enough money so that they could compete with Rome and feed these hangers-on. But this isn't what Jesus is getting at. He's showing us the abundance of the kingdom of God. Heaven in many of Jesus' parables and teachings is described as a banquet where there is more than enough food for everyone. Look at verse 18, where Jesus tells his disciples, Bring them here to me. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Here we see that God's upside-down kingdom is full of abundance. In the kingdom of God, nothing is scarce and nothing runs out. While King Herod can hold lavish parties for the elite, and Rome can provide rations by oppressing people, Jesus creates abundance where there is lack, and harmony where there is discord. Theologian Don Carson notes here that this miracle draws on a number of themes from the Old Testament. First, there is the miracle of creation. As God creates something out of nothing in the beginning of the Bible, Jesus creates food for thousands from nothing here in this miracle. As God provided manna from heaven for the freed Israelite slaves, so Jesus gives to God in heaven thanks and provides bread and fish in this solitary place, far away from bakeries and markets. Theologians in the past have suggested that what actually happened was that Jesus shamed rich people into sharing the lunches that they were hiding for themselves. For these theologians, the real miracle was that showing us was was Jesus showing us that we already have the resources we need. This isn't the case though, because in all four gospels, they refer to this miracle as something that Jesus does. It's no other than Jesus that makes this possible. As Jesus feeds these people, he's revealing for us the abundance of the kingdom of heaven. While every kingdom, empire, and nation struggles with limited resources, the kingdom of God has the opposite problem. The disciples gather up twelve big baskets, which were more like hampers of scraps. More is left over than they had to begin with. Here we see the beautiful symbolism of the numbers. The five barley loaves and two fish add up to seven, God's number of completeness and wholeness in the Bible. The number of leftover hampers gathered is 12, which is the number of tribes of Israel and the number of disciples. Here we see God's supply is so lavish that even the scraps of his provision are enough to supply the needs of Israel, represented by the 12 disciples. The number of people is also significant. There are 5,000 men, which means there could have been over 10,000 people altogether. The men are listed separately because in Jewish culture of the day, men and women usually ate separately in public. Children ate with the women. Counting men is also something kings at the time would do to measure the size of their army. Here we see that Jesus is building an army, but not of strong warriors. He's building an army of sick and hungry peasants who are ready to follow him, not into physical battle, but into the wilderness to meet with God. 
So what are we to make of this miracle? Although there is so much to this account, today we're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000 through the lens of God's upside-down kingdom. Here, Matthew is comparing the kingdoms of this world with the kingdom of God and telling us something about King Jesus. First of all, there is kingdom abundance in our hunger. Whilst it's hard to visit a king's palace, let alone a king himself, here King Jesus meets us in the wilderness. He's shocked and stressed, but he doesn't turn people away like other leaders. Instead, he welcomes them in. While leaders today like to pose for photo ops with babies and healthy, strong people in public places, Jesus withdraws to solitary places to care for the hungry and the sick. Notice the spiritual hunger of the people. They're willing to follow Jesus wherever he goes because their leaders have failed them and they're hungry for something better. Are you hungry for something better today? Politicians, CEOs, and line managers can't offer you what Jesus can because they're flawed human beings. No one can offer you what God can. We need to withdraw to solitary places regularly to bring our needs to King Jesus, because only the kingdom of God has the abundance to truly satisfy our needs. We need to be hungry people, desperate for the bread of heaven. Because only God can truly give us what we're looking for in life. There is also kingdom abundance through our offerings. The second thing worth remembering is how Jesus uses his disciples to feed the people. The disciples recognize they can't feed the crowds on their own. But we soon discover that Jesus can. When we bring what they ha- when when we bring what we have to Jesus, he produces kingdom abundance. When we bring our meager gifts and resources to God, he multiplies them a hundredfold. As disciples of Jesus, we need to regularly bring what we have to Jesus in the hope that he will work powerfully through us. We don't need to save the world. That's God's mission. But he calls us to join him in caring for our communities, the environment and our families. Our limited resources become unlimited resources in the hands of our limitless God. Our limited resources become unlimited resources in the hands of our limitless God. There is kingdom abundance finally in our eternity. Finally, one of the things we quickly learn from the kingdoms around us is how limited they are in the resources and time they have. Two weeks ago, Aussie Treasurer Josh Frydenberg announced that Australia is on track for a $185 billion cash deficit for 2020-2021. The US economy has just recorded its worst contraction since World War II. All empires through time have risen and fallen, expanded and contracted. They run out of money and they run out of time. If this makes you nervous, friend, then know that God's upside-down kingdom is not like this. The feeding of the 5,000 gives us a glimpse into eternity and to the heavenly banquet God promises us. When Jesus returns and heaven comes to earth, then things on earth will truly be as they are in heaven. Sickness, hunger, sadness, and pain will be no more. As followers of Jesus, we live for that day. As members of God's upside-down kingdom, we live for that day. 
We won't be overcome by worry about the future because our future is in the hands of the God who can feed thousands with dinner rolls and fish and still have leftovers. Friends, may this account today remind you of God's goodness and fill you with hope for the future. As citizens of God's upside-down kingdom, let's be hungry for the things of God. Let's offer what we have to God, knowing He will multiply it. And let's entrust our futures to Him, knowing there is abundance in our eternity. Amen.